morning, church. My name is Tamika, and I'm the worship pastor here, and this is a weighty pleasure to explore the word with you today. Growing up in the Williams household, we had something called family devotions. Anyone else do family devotions? No, it's okay. We'll pray for the rest of y'all. It's okay. And even though schedules and times have gotten in the way of everyone attending, family devotions still happen regularly. Devotion time is when we sit together as a family. We go over a passage of scripture together. We sing a song or two in worship, and we pray for requests or for loved ones. It was also a smart way to get three kids hooked on the stories of the Bible and the truth while practicing our reading in King James, mind you. So when I had finished learning my ABCs and my sounds and phonics, I started learning how to read, and my literature was Psalm 8. I read it over and over until it became familiar to me. Naturally, as we started talking about the favorite psalm series, I had a mini freak out because there were so many to choose from. Psalm 8 had to make the list, but as a creative, a musician, a songwriter, and a worship leader, it is absolutely cruel to ask someone like me to pick just one. So I'm going to ask forgiveness instead as I willingly disobey the orders to pick just one. Uh, but let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. I pray, Father God, that you would take whatever I say, and you would multiply it by the amount of ears and hearts here, and give everybody something special that they would need this week. Lord, I pray for your spirit to speak to hearts. I pray that we would rightfully respond to what you're doing and what you're saying. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you that we get to, do that, that we get to be in this house right now. You're the one we adore, and we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. As with anything that becomes familiar, we have a tendency to gloss over truth because the sound bite of it is one we can name and even recite from memory. There are more than just the Psalms that I can recite from memory, but I thank God for the word in Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And I am grateful for the precious Holy Spirit who makes the word come alive to me again and again. Let me tell you this quick story. When I was, I don't, I don't know if I told it, but if you're new, here we go. Um, when I was in university, we had a ridiculous strike. And so when we came back from the strike, we were at school well into the summer, which usually doesn't happen. And so I went into the, the mall on the campus and found this amazing O. Henry ice cream bar. Now, I'm not just talking about an ice cream bar that is flavored like O. Henry. Like, I don't know how they did it. I really don't. I think it was a God moment. But it was the whole bar like you would find at a store, but it was all ice cream. as blessed Holy Ghost. And so I took a bite of that, that thing. And then I had two friends with me, and I said, you got you got to try this, because I don't understand. And it was two of my friends, and my friend Jill tried it, and my friend Justine tried it. And we all tried the same bar, but we all noticed something different. And the Word of God is like that. Whereas I was like, yo, they got real caramel in here, and it's not frozen. And she was like, nuts! They got real nuts in here! It's the real peanuts! And my friend Justine was like, and they, they have the chocolate. It's just like the chocolate that you get from the one in the store. The word of God is like that. Every time I go back to the word of God, it comes alive to me again and again. If you don't like nuts or Henry, I pray the Lord blesses you, whatever it is you like. 
So as I prayed for fresh eyes to see God's word in the psalm, I noticed a worshiper who is in awe of God. And verses 3 to 5 of Psalm 8 have been highlighted in many versions of the copies that I have of the Bible. And I'm always asking this question, who am I that you are mindful of me? Especially when I consider all that you have made. Perhaps you sometimes feel the same. Psalm 34 is the written response of David's heart after he fled from two powerful enemies. As a worship leader, I love, love, love Psalm 34. Right from the start, there is a promise to God to worship and to bless him, and there is a testimony and then a call to action for a people to praise God and rejoice with others while continuing to hope in the Lord. It's the jackpot psalm, in my opinion. But let's look at where it comes from. I'm going to read... 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 to 15 for us. Some backstory is that David had King Saul as a father-in-law. Poor David. And he was very jealous of his son-in-law because the anointing and the blessing of the Lord was over David and not Saul. David was a successful commander in Saul's army. He had the affection of Saul's daughter. And he was best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. Saul was on a mission to kill David, even though David's wins meant a win for the whole kingdom. Anywho, David runs away and decides to go to Gath to King Achish, also known as Abimelech. And his servants start talking about David, and David gets scared. So let's see what happens. So just, I'll read for you. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before him, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors, and let saliva fall down his beard. Then Achish said to the servants, Look, you see, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Have you ever been in a situation where what people are whispering about you causes fear to rise up in you? Have you ever wondered if God can still rescue you from your own escape plan? Home wasn't safe, and the very place he thought he would find rest from his King Saul trouble seemed like a trap. There's an old Negro spiritual that says, How I got over, how I got over, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. It is from this place that we get Psalm 34, as David recounts what God has rescued him from. I'm going to be looking at this from the, the NKJV, the New King James Version. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The first three verses are of praise to God and a call to all who also believe to magnify the name of the Lord with the one who is testifying. To testify is to share with others what you have witnessed. It is why people are called to the witness stand in a court case. Those in court proceedings are interested in knowing what a person saw or heard as they seek out the truth. Revelation 12 verse 11a says, they overcome him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Testimony builds faith in others who may still be waiting to see how God can be in their midst no matter the situation. David calls the reader, that's us, to magnify the Lord with him. 
How can one magnify the Lord? He is the biggest, the best, and in control. At camp, we've sung this song. I don't know if you know it. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You know this song? Yes. Okay, still true. Just because you're older doesn't mean it's not true. So how do we do this? We give him first place in our lives. We give him first place in our lives over everything and before everything and everyone. We say and shout praises to him. We respond in worship with our attention and focus and our whole bodies. We choose him again and again. So I'm going to do a little call and response. I used to be a teacher, so you got to listen up. So repeat after me. God, you are so good. Lord, we exalt you. Be magnified in our hearts. Lord, we love you. I choose to focus on you. Have my heart today and every day. And here's another one. God is good and all the time. Amen. Amen. We also magnify the Lord with others as we humble ourselves to rejoice on behalf of others' victories and breakthroughs. Have we not seen God answer the prayers of the ones we've had on the prayer list? Sometimes the answers didn't look like the ones we wanted, but when God has done something wonderful for someone else, can we be glad in it? Can we thank God on behalf of others that we may be, when we may be waiting for our miracle or deliverance from the same thing they just received freedom for? Magnify the Lord. There's a song by gospel artist Bishop Marvin Sapp called Praise Him in Advance that has lyrics I'm reminded of when I'm reading the beginning of Psalm 34. These are how the lyrics read. I've had my share of ups and downs, times when there was no one around. God came and spoke these words to me. Praise will confuse the enemy. So I started singing. I started clapping. I started dancing. People were laughing. They knew my problems. They knew my pain. But I knew God would take them away. Verses 4 to 7. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Verses 4 to 7 and 17 talk about David's relationship with the Lord. The Lord heard David when he prayed. Where do we think the wisdom to act like a madman came from? David wasn't given to fits of rage like his father-in-law or known to drool on himself. When someone is in relationship with the Lord, one can ask for wisdom with just a breath because they trust the Lord and know he replies and responds when they call. They have experienced his nearness and faithfulness to respond. The Lord didn't just hear David, he saved him. The Lord also has protection for his children. Salvation has always been God's plan for humanity, and I know the Lord keeps on saving us even from our own mistakes and choices. My dad always tells us to stay ready so that we don't have to get ready. My mother says it like this. We can't keep reintroducing ourselves to the Lord every time we go to pray. What they both mean is that our prayer life should be a continual conversation between us and God so that when we pray for others or don't have time to utter more than the name of Jesus— There is nothing between our hearts and the answer to our prayers. I know in times when I have been worried or afraid, sentence structure and niceties fly out of my head. All I have is a Lord have mercy and Jesus help. 
I don't know what David prayed, but he recognized God's intervention in the rescue from his enemies twice. Verse 17 says, the righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 8, I think is my favorite of Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. To taste something, someone needs time to let the flavors of whatever you're eating, like that O. Henry bar, rest on your lips or whatever you're drinking so that the brain can register if it's good or bad. Has anyone told you to taste and see that anything other than food is good? Really? Take a minute. Think about it. Has anyone ever told you that? You'd probably wonder about their sanity if they told you. Like, let's think about it. Oh, taste and see that music is good. Oh, taste and see that laundry is good. Oh, laundry. (laughs) And they are good. Please wash your clothes. Laundry is good. But these things are not good of themselves and cannot give everlasting goodness. As someone who appreciates good home cooking, I know the difference between something seasoned with love versus something made just to survive. We don't just survive when we eat what the Lord has provided. We get to take our time and taste what he has for us and who he is to us over and over again and see that he is indeed good. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Fear the Lord is a phrase we see again and again in this passage and all over the Bible as a call to action to those who worship God. It is not a synonym for being afraid of God, but rather it is knowledge that in a good relationship with God, that a good relationship with God is built on the foundation of reverencing God and being in awe of him, knowing that he is righteous and is not to be seen as common or to be taken lightly. If you're a believer, you are fearing God. You are choosing his path and following him. Let me give you some examples. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 19 verse 23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Proverbs 14 verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Psalm 128 verse 1 says, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And if you're following God, you won't experience lack. Now wait a minute. Tamika, wait a minute. I've had seasons of lack. I know what it's like to go without, to sacrifice something, to have something else. Or I know people who need way more than they have. The promise here is not that there cannot be lack in our lives, but rather because we know the Lord, we shall not want. Do we remember what psalm that's from? No? It's okay. Read your Bible. It's going to be fine. Remember the psalm. So instead of thinking of being in lack or being in want... Think of your heavenly father who made everything with words and owns the wealth in every gold mine. He is the source of all things. And if we know the source, then we do not lack. For example, as you've heard earlier this year, camp did not receive the government funding that it usually does for various reasons. The reason I know is that God wanted to use his people to bless this community with more than enough for camp to run without a hiccup and to teach dear children about the goodness and love of God. 
we as a church body went to the Lord in prayer and gave, maybe even sacrificially, and camp did not lack anything. Praise the Lord. Can you say hallelujah for that? Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. So then David says, let me teach you how to do this relationship thing and lists off the next four verses and ends it with a reminder that the Lord is watching every one of his children and his ears are open to their cry. We were reminded last week from Psalm 139 that the Lord knows when we sit and rise. He knows our thoughts and even the numbers of hairs on our head. Let me just emphasize that. Not just the total number, but he knows when number 469 falls out. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. There is nowhere we can go that he is not. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. We also heard last week from Rev that there are those present in the world who seek to do evil and are not afraid of God. They have no regard for him. So it is a good thing to pray for justice and to pray for the righteous judgment of the Lord to render a, ver a verdict that we are not capable of giving. It is right and good to hate what the Lord hates and to love what he loves. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as has a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. We have here reminders that it, there is pain in this sin-stricken world, but there is the greatest escape plan, and his name is Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 to 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given at its proper time. Jesus came to save those who are lost, and no one who trusts in him will be condemned. So as I've been reading Psalm 34... I can't help but be in awe of the provision of the Lord to provide us with Psalm 8 early on, to use as a response for the goodness God has worked in our own lives. We start by calling out his majesty, for he is ruler over all. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How magnifying. When I leave the city or view it from a different geographical location, I am often humbled by my surroundings of grand foliage and vast waters. Even greenish-brown Lake Ontario can take your breath away when you consider that the Lord separated the waters from the waters and called forth land and creatures and birds and every living thing. He spoke galaxies filled with stars and knows their individual names. After all that, he made human beings and put a lot of us together on a spinning ball suspended in the sky to live. When you think of all of this, it can make one feel guilty that the Lord should spend any time at all thinking about only me and my current hang-ups. And yet he is mindful of us and has crowned us with honor, and even our babies know how to utter his praises. My two nieces and one nephew all learned the word wow on their own when viewing something that took their breath away. Sometimes we need to look around 
and take notice of all that God has spoken into existence. And then look at our lives and take stock of all that God has spoken into our lives. Notice what he has rescued you from and what he has taken you through. God is faithful to his word and he is faithful to his children. My dad and I have a ritual of sorts. His version is to take a basket and take stones, write on the stones the blessings you have, and add them to a basket. And count God's blessings in your life every time you've been through something hard or you felt disappointed. And then take a stone out for all of those disappointments. I choose to write them down and have a reminder in my own handwriting testifying of all God has done for me. I guarantee on bad days and disappointing moments, if you're counting right, there will always be more that God has blessed you with, especially if you only count him. I like to call my best friend Vanessa from time to time and say, girl, I need, to, I need someone to witness God's goodness with me. And she'll say, yes, girl, what are we celebrating? And we'll end with an amen as I share the testimony. I did this as I got word that I would be the worship pastor at Knox especially since she was praying with me for God's will to be done in my life. This is us magnifying the Lord together. This is us blessing the Lord at all times because we've tasted his goodness and experienced his mindfulness of us. The reality of God's love for us was expressed through the cross and Jesus' resurrection from the grave. And furthermore, in the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse of the scenes of a continual worship service to come for those who have seen and accepted the gift of salvation. It is a wonderful, weighty gift. It is exciting indeed. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. I want to do something a little bit different at this point. For reflection time, we usually stop and pray and ponder. But I believe we will best ponder today through some response. We're going to sing and worship. And no, this is not the sending song, so prepare your heart. We're going to sing some more and worship. This is an opportunity for us to respond rightly and bless the Lord in community. It seemed only right that we should respond to the call to worship with worship and praise. Let us be glad and rejoice with others, and let's take time now to magnify the Lord by putting him back at the center of our lives, and then I'll come and pray for us. Amen? Let's stand and worship.